the storm had endured for three days. Our tents were taking on too much ice, and the wind seemed to blow like a fierce beast through our bones. Fires went out perpetually. The dogs moaned and whined, and the men grew angry at me for having led them so far off to a world that they didn't know. Mind you, with the 24 hours of sunlight, sleep became a rare and strange experience. And the cold and the snow just seemed to bite through us in all ways. At this point, we had enough food. That was not our problem. But morale just seemed to be reduced to the ashes of an old cook fire. The winds were too strong, you see. If a man could have gauged back then, he would have surmised a speed of 60 to 70 miles per hour, which is just too... too powerful and blustery for what would have been our journey towards the north. And so, under my supervision, we had decided to wait. And we waited and waited. And when there is no dip below the horizon of the sun and daylight rains perpetual, the days seemed to pass much longer than bringing the relief of night and then letting it pass to a morning hue where all are relieved that the sun has yet returned. But when it stays, you see, it's hung there. Hung there like an old sock over the fireplace, just staying and never growing dry. And so, on the fourth day, the men had voted against me for the first but not last time that they would wish to proceed despite the derision of the wind and its fierce bite and the accumulation of the snows to greatly impede the dogs that would run mush as we sledded towards the north. Choosing between being a captain and being a man that wants to go by popular vote, I was in rather a pickle, and, well, Mr. Lofton and I had a private conversation. He advised me that perhaps the men were right, but you need to make the man understand that you're still in charge and it is your decision and with some great care i chose my words i can still remember them to this day i said to the men it has been brought quite obvious to me your desires and with the sage advice of our expert here mr lopson I have made the conclusion that, yes, indeed, travel north must continue, for these storms can endure for weeks, and that would ruin both man and beast to stay in such a state.
and though I take your votes into account, I do declare to you that it is by my own voice I speak the final word. And in this circumstance, I do agree with you, and we shall continue on the way. The men gave a hear, hear, and a hip, hip, hurrah, and we clanked glasses from one of our better bottles of whiskey that we had brought for special occasion, and we took down the tents and proceeded on our way, still in the full derision of a bleak storm with its potent winds and its falling snow. The dogs seemed just as rambunctious to move as we had, and uh, the initial procedures of the journey to head to the far north regions were undertaken with great hurrah again and care of the dogs to mush with happy faces and wagging tongues, and the men with a great amount of volume and tone in their voice to concur with the decision. And we pressed on, ignoring our clocks, our timepieces, and our pocket watches had been put away and not to be used again. The compass was of the utmost importance, because in a complete out that did endure for this great time, it was a rough go, but North does find itself true, despite even the biggest of all blizzards. We pressed and we pressed with occasional breaks, but uh, as I mentioned, without night, it's a strange journey. You just go and you stop and you go when you feel like it, not when the moon has decided to call it Ace of Spades and come out and make a whole rain of the thing with the sunset. We... We were just going at the pace that the dogs seemed to set. And through the blizzard, we made three more days advance from our calculations. But still, the heavy snow blew and blustered, and we gave pause once again to take a break for some sustained amount of time and set up a secondary camp. By this time, the men had grown weary yet again, having forgotten their initial pleasure in the journey towards our destination, and now found they wanted to stop and go and stop and go. They were an unruly bunch of the unsorted type, and I do declare that in hindsight I wish I had made greater choice and taking a longer time to ponder the qualities of these men. It was only Mr. Lothson who gave me continued good advice and conversation, and who never made a sour or sore note about the conditions, whereas our other men, now almost eleven days in, had pouted and and been cantankerous like school children who had missed their morning recess. So we stopped again and pitched tents, and this is the first time 
in our journey together that a Mr. Dennis Eckersley made himself quite a statement, one that I shan't forget because it started to lead towards mutinous words that I had only now heard for the first time. Whether or not these things had been discussed on private during the mushing of the sleds is yet a mystery to me, but I would make great wager that he had stirred the group long before he declared the following statement. I read from you now the journal I kept and the words of Mr. Eckersley in the notes of the morning of the eleventh day together. It is the opinion of the men that this has been a befuddled journey. The timing has been infortuitous, and the plan overall is that of a man who does not know these places. We therefore concede to the idea of continuing farther north, and would rather make an about-face towards the ship, which by no means is stable and shall be a lucky thing should we find it. We should not increase the chance of our understanding of this place, but rather return, regroup with a stronger crew and perhaps a more competent leader. We mean you, Mr. No Harm, Mr. Winstrong, but you have failed us in our preparations, timing, and climate here. I had no idea what to say to those words. Mr. Winstrong stood with five men beside him, a significant portion of the men that I needed to make farther advance. He told me that this was the decision of not only him, but the men behind him and those who have yet wished not yet wished to make their faces plain but are in secret agreement and by his accounts more than half of the men had decided that it was a bad choice now mind you this was an american undertaking and some of these men were not as battle hardened to the elements of the cold as say a norwegian a canadian or a swede but nonetheless, these were my men, volunteers, men that I have found with great thought to be recalcitrant to the fortitude of nature. And now here I find them just a small amount of time in the open winter, summer, summer, you should say, but winter was more the accustomed term at this point amongst the men of the elements and I was perplexed and I said rather quite loud you have already second-guessed me not even two weeks in we could be made heroes for both the president and for your families at home and yet you decide to turn your tails and run with them tucked between your legs against such a great cost of a mission I thought I made it plain to you at first speech that this was a mission of great fortitude where you would be tested to every fiber of your being. And here we are so early in this undertaking that you decide to retreat. 
I was rather befuddled, angered, even took the Lord's name in vain in one instance or two in my return of words against such a mutinous crew. Mr. Eckersley began to backpedal slightly in his statements and said perhaps it was just a bad stroke of luck that the weather had done this to us. But he asked if the men who voted in majority could stay again a day or two to see if the weather had subsided. I concurred slightly, but took heed to the words of again Mr. Loftson, who said this is a common thing of the North, and perhaps just a day or two in order to appease the men is not such a bad idea. But again, in order to be the man in charge, I had to restructure my decision. With a heavy heart, I agreed to delay. And it is because of that delay that I voted for that a series of unfortunate events would befall us in the following 24 hours. I will tell you that story of the mutinous Mr. Eckersley and the mysterious Mr. Lawson and those beasts that came to the gates of our camp and nearly destroyed the mission in the next chapter of our story together.